I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, hello. You're listening to The Stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is my food podcast. My co-host, as always, is Chris Chang. Say hello. 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 <laughs> that was in stereo. We, uh, we don't have a guest today because of some scheduling issues that I had. Not your fault. You were, uh, you were out of town last week. So my brother filled in on saying all saying the f word a lot of times. Yes, but it was a good pod. What's the f word? <laughs> Family, uh, friendship. It's uh, fun. It's uh, fun, fun. Forty fun, years old. Fondant. Fondant, because this is a food podcast. That's right. That's right. I just thought fondant was. The the shitty icing that the cake boss uses. Uh, no. But no, you showed me a new food video, one of our faves. Yeah, Chef John, shouts goes out. Shouts goes out to Chef John, who does the YouTube channel Food Wishes, which is maybe the best. Easily the best. Oh yeah, I would I would say the best. He has the right attitude. He's not like uppity about anything, and he thinks everyone can cook. Yeah, um, and he has a huge library of videos, hundreds and hundreds. So, and it's very easy and concise and quick. If you want to learn how to make any dish, he's probably made a video about it, and he can show you how to do it in less than ten minutes. And he kind of comes off like a like the like dad, like the cool dad, or like the cool science teacher you had in high but school. He never hit you. <laughs> it's the dad, the one dad that never hit you. Shouts goes out, Korean dads. <laughs> mm. they, yeah, he never slapped you with the kimchi or anything. No, <laughs> I've been slapped with the kimchi though. I've been slapped by a woman. <laughs> Well, you were showing, speaking of fondant, you were showing me a video of his where he makes fondant potatoes. Will you choose, will you choose a pronunciation and stick with it? Well, which is it? Fondant or fondant? I, I prefer fond, fondant. Fondant, fondant sounds weird. I feel like it's a French word though. Yeah, I've, I've never had the, the voice for a French accent though, for whatever reason. Say beef bourguignon. Beef bourguignon. Fondant. Fondant. It's just like the two sounds that go on, on after one another, and it's with an O and an A. I've heard you made that noise before. <laughs> <laughs> but this video was it was very bizarre. It was a strange method where you take a potato. You should watch the video, but you make a cylinder out of it. Yeah, you take a potato, like a large russet potato, cut it and cut the the two ends off, so it's more or less like. A, it's more of an octagon than a cylinder. Yeah, and he and he peels the sides, peels all the skin off, and then you have two. They kind of look like double stacked scallops, <laughs> <laughs> to put it in ecstasy terms. <laughs> what is that? Well, like for ecstasy pills, back in the day, a pill like an, one pill. How back in the day? <laughs> This was like how old are you? Is what I'm really. This is at. like uh, late '90s, early 2000s, before people were using ecstasy in Molly or pill form, in like a capsule form. Back in the day, ecstasy was like a pressed pill that looked like an aspirin or something like that, or you know, like just like a any old regular pill. Okay, so ecstasy potatoes, back to that. Ecstasy, but they would say if you had a pill that was twice the strength and literally double the size, it would be the same shape, but it would be twice as thick. And you, you would, call them And you would call it a double stack. Double stack. So it looks like you, if you have a giant scallop and you put another scallop on top of it, that's what this potato looks like. And then you sear it on that flat side exactly like you would sear a scallop. And then you do that for like five minutes until you get a good golden brown crust, exactly like a scallop. Then you flip it over, 
And then sear. Drain out all the oil. You throw in a fat chunk of butter with some thyme or whatever you want. Like you're you're basting a steak in the pan. Like you'll sear it and then flip it over and then do the butter and thyme. And then you cook that down and then you fill the pan up with some stock and put it in the oven and then the potato kind of braises. Yeah. Which is... I really want to try Sounds this. Sounds delicious. And Apparently, he, it's like a European like royalty thing from like you know when yeah, that existed. It's like a Vic, Vic, Victorian <laughs> age kind of like a a fancy highfalutin potato preparation. High what now? Falutin. High gluten. It's a high gluten. <laughs> high gluten. Um, and apparently, like the out, it's it's everything about it seems like a scallop. The the outside is golden brown and crusty and has that good potato sear that you want. And then the inside is soft and creamy and slowly kind of braised and roasted and steamed all together. So it's kind of like a mashed potato inside. Maybe it's like a like a cannelle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, he said you can only really do it with a full-size rest of potato and not something smaller like a like a U- Yukon Gold I or a Fingerling. Like that could be... Both just like a big potato can hold up to that heat mm-hmm. and sort of beating and also like starch content. Yeah. I remember like a Heston Blumenthal was like testing a bunch of different potato sizes and he's like, well, the sizes of potato matter because of the amount of starch in the potato. <laughs> and really to get the best like creamy mash that he did, he had to use like a specific, I don't remember what kind of potato, but it was, it, there were like fairly small potatoes that he used. Hmm. Yeah, because a a smaller one is is just kind of like a new potato, or I guess like a like a young underdeveloped, <laughs> pot- an underage potato. So like a russet would be like grandpa tater. A, a russet would be like a full grown cow, and then a uh, liver spot. A fingerling would be the veal of a fourteen year old potato. It would be a a fourteen year old nubile spud. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else uncomfortable right now? <laughs> it's all because of you. Thank you. But uh, I think I want to try that try that recipe and see what what things I can do to flip that because it sounds pretty awesome. Sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. But long story short, you should watch Food Wishes. If I, I, I would say I, I grew up watching Good Eats, Elton Brown. Elton Brown. Before he got skinny and weird looking. <laughs> Before he got skinny and weird looking. When I was still fat and weird, weird looking. And everyone thought he was the singer of the '80s band that did that song. She blinded me with science. <laughs> Go watch that music video on YouTube if you haven't. Like Thomas Dolby. Is that how do you know that? That's how old you are. You know who that sings that song. I'm a I'm a I'm a musician and DJ, so I know about music. Well, anyway, if you watch that music video and if I hadn't told you, you would think it was Elton Brown. Um, I never thought about that, but now that you say that, he totally looks like Thomas Dolby, and I'm sure he's heard that before. But that's how I started watching. That's how I started learning how to cook was from watching his shows, and his shows are super kind of long and drawn out. It would be a half-an-hour episode, and he would teach you one or two things, and you have to sit through a bunch of puppetry and weird characters and all kinds of bizarre things going on, and then he would teach you this really awesome way how to make ribs in your oven. Or Was was that the first food show you fell in love with? Uh... I would say so, probably. Mine was the Japanese Iron Chef. I would watch it with my grandparents, and I just remember as a child thinking that the guy in the beginning who takes a bite out of a bell pepper, like it's an (laughs) apple, like, oh, this guy's a maniac. I'm paying attention to this. (laughs) (laughs) When he goes, à la cuisine. He's not not like Arab. (laughs) I don't know what that was. I would, I would, I would. Because they say Ale cuisine. But he's Japanese, so it's Are? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, he, but he's like a ninja, so he has to scream it like uh, like he's in war. Are cuisine! <sighs> exactly. And he takes a bite out of a bell pack. And then on the Iron Chef America, they do a nod to that where 
the guy who's playing who's supposed to be his son. He's his, like nephew. But it's not they're not related at all. He's just a hired yeah, actor. Yeah, he looks like he's half white. Yeah, yeah. But he he goes to take a bite of the red the bell pepper and then like winks at the camera and smiles and then replaces it with an apple from the other hand and takes a bite out of that saying like this is America, blah blah blah. So what's the weirdest uh food that you've eaten like an apple? I've done that with like a just white Vidalia onion before. I've done it with an onion as well. And it was not worth it. I don't Didn't mind. Cool. I totally am fine with eating raw onions. Me too, but like a huge chunk yeah, of Yeah, a huge chunk. Like I mean, that. it's obviously not great. And the ladies will stay away too, I found out. <laughs> I've always thought there's a big difference between garlic breath and onion breath. There is. And Well, I'm putting those two in one category. A difference between garlic or onion breath and just bad breath. I can handle garlic breath. I can't handle just straight up bad breath, like from halitosis or whatever you might, you know, whatever you didn't brush your teeth and you ate nachos the night before. So what is like the one food breath that if there was a super hot lady and she was like, hey, you want to make out? Like, what is your line that you, you can't cross? I mean, it would probably be... Probably be something like super fishy. Ew. <laughs> because, I mean, like, I can't really, I mean, maybe like fish sauce or like things that are fishy, like, like super strong fish, like sardines or mackerel. Really oily fish, like trout. Well, more so like a, like a pungent, you know how like mackerel is like super fishy, oily, like, that's what you think of when you walk by the docks and it smells or like you walk through Chinatown in New York and all the fish guts are, you know, thrown on the sidewalk and it smells just like vagina. <laughs> no, it smells like, it does not smell like vagina. It's just to cut that out to you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there, you can have a very mild, pleasing fish like a halibut or something like that where if it's a fresh piece of halibut it will smell like nothing well supposedly even oily fish it's just like if you have absolute fresh fish that you you get from a fishmonger mm-hmm. right off the dock it's not supposed to smell mm-hmm. but oil and fat are a great conductor of odor really which is why i it, smell <laughs> Which is why you, as a person, smells. No, like like if you leave a stick of butter... In a fat man's, like, <laughs> Hanes boxer briefs. If you leave a stick of butter in your fridge, uncovered, unwrapped, for a month, it'll really absorb a lot of odors, right. much like your baking soda or something will. And it'll just take on that that odor and flavor from whatever is going on in your fridge. Do you think you would do that on purpose ever? Like, you know how Koreans have, like, kimchi fridges? Mm. To make, like, kimchi butter? Just leave butter in a fridge full of kimchi? So you're, it's kind of like a... Uh, it's a very long, cold-smoked yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, compound butter. butter. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a... It's a real long play. You you just... Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I mean, but, I mean, unless you have a fridge dedicated to one thing... It's just going to smell like, you know, old kale and Chinese food from yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you would need to have your your Asian kimchi fridge in the garage that's only filled with kimchi. And then just put a stick of butter in there for a long time, maybe like three months. So this is sounding not worth it. <laughs> sounding not worth it. I'm already then, in like, you know, another refrigerator. <laughs> Have you ever made kimchi butter before? No. Have you ever what you've made compound butters though before I have, probably? Just with like fresh herbs and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I feel like that'd be great though, because pickles and butter, you know, winning combo always. Pickle yeah. butter is a thing, I'm pretty sure. Radishes and butter. Very popular. Radishes and butter. Maybe maybe let's work on some some compounds. Alright. So what is the weirdest compound butter we could make? <laughs> Weirdest compound butter, maybe like peanut butter and butter. <laughs> <sighs> White people. <laughs> I mean, I knew a kid in elementary school. He used to just eat peanut butter and butter sandwiches. And if his mom ever packed cool. him 
like a turkey sandwich or anything, he would just give it to us because he didn't want it. Really? I've no. I mean, I thought I was. I mean, at first glance, peanut butter and butter doesn't sound so strange, but no, it's good. It's good. Don't get me wrong, but that's all he would eat. That's weird. Now he's dead. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I I don't. Turns don't out he was a, he was deathly allergic to peanuts. <laughs> I I I, eat, I used to eat a lot of peanut butter and pickle sandwiches when I was a kid. Right, because your grandma. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an amazing combo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've I've been trying to figure out a way to explore that that combination of peanut butter and pickles. I know that it. They use it in Asian foods and Thai yeah, foods. Like, like Thai food or Indian food. Like anytime you have like a peanut something or another and something pickled. Peanuts and just, I mean, an acidic vinegar and peanut for some reason. I've been thinking because there's like a, a restaurant in LA called Malo and they do these beef and pickle tacos right. where it's ground beef, dill pickle chips, and shredded cheddar cheese. And it sounds kind of simple and dumb and basic, but like those three things combined is like I feel like is a really awesome flavor flavor combination. <laughs> flavor combination. Flavor combi. And I was trying to figure out a way to, to a way to turn a way to elevate that into something different. Well, you get let's break that down. It's you get the fat from the beef. You get acid from the pickle and then you get kind of like a different sort of sour like smelly thing from the cheese mm-hmm. so i think i mean there's plenty of dishes where that exists but it's I th- but it's specifically the the taco seasoning on the beef that is what makes it because i mean uh you can go to mcdonald's and get a cheeseburger that Armpit has hairs. <laughs> what <Armpit hairs>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like taco seasoning does you know, sort of smell like armpits. Cumin. It's the it's the cumin. So I think that's what's really making it because you can go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger with ground beef, pickles, and cheese, and it tastes good, but it's not this like really awesome flavor combination that you get from well, those. It's cumin and it's other a couple other things as well, but it's mainly the cumin, pickle, cheddar combo. Like a McDonald's cheeseburger is also going to be using like American cheese, so you lose. That's true. You lose the sour of the cheddar, and is and then cumin is that's uh, comes from armpits. What does cum, what does cumin come from? What is the because coriander is cilantro? Like cumin seed. Yeah, it's just a seed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I, I, I need to. If you're listening and you have a fun idea of combining, combining pickles. No, Jason Chiggy's head. No, that clean it up. Cut out. Clean it up, Chang. I don't want to have to cut anything out. Sunday school. It's a uh, no. It's somewhere between Sweaters. Sunday school and come is where right where we want to live. All right. <laughs> God. <laughs> turn, turn Flashback to... fifteen years ago, my <laughs> life. Yeah, you know, doing a food podcast. I'm still learning. You know, there's like the last episode with my brother on it. It was a great episode, and he didn't really say a lot of off-color remarks like you do, but he just said the F word like 500 times. And I feel like that's really going to, you know, a lot of people are fine with that. Most chefs have horrible, filthy mouths, but most chefs don't listen to food podcasts. They listen to like... Apparently, they listen to gangster rap and ACDC when you go to a kitchen, you know? It's a long way to the top if you want to <laughs> walk and roll. So, so the people who listen to food podcasts are like me and moms, apparently. Old Whittle Hamilton? <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like there's got to be some kind of middle ground where I, I don't want it to be a Comedy Central roast, but I also don't want it to be... You know, Sunday pot roast. Sunday pot roast, like or you know, like listening to good food with on KCRW, the the weekly syndicated food podcast, which is usually that and uh, America's tasting testing kitchen are like the two top food podcasts every week. So less WTF with Mark Marin. More WT heck, <laughs> but like, Jason but like Mark Marin, a podcast that's called WTF that has the F word in the title. I bet you, 
has not had an episode that said the F word more than a food podcast <laughs> that my brother was on. You know what you were signing up for when Sweet you saw irony. the bad boys of iTunes? I know, I know. I mean, we're trying to make waves in the food game. Hopefully people are listening. But speaking of good food, I actually had, thanks to our, our one of our past guests, Zach from Food is the New Rock. Hi, Zach. Hi, Zach. I left you a funny Instagram comment. Hopefully you're listening to this. It's Hopefully it's not past your bedtime. <laughs> oh, dad shot. Dad shot. Oh, we love him over there. Um... He invited me to go get lunch with him and and Evan Kleiman, the host of Good Food, which most people would be like, whatever, I don't know what you're talking about. But for me, it was a big deal. It was like meeting, uh, you know, the Tiesto of food podcasting. <laughs> would you be excited to meet Tiesto? Uh, I have met Tiesto, and it was not that exciting, although he did... Um, forced me to drink a shot of Jägermeister. So German. And I can't, for some reason, my body cannot process Jägermeister. Du kannst, if you will. <laughs> du kannst. Du hast. And like I remember I drank one shot of it, and that one shot made me like so hungover. Like I woke up with a splitting headache from whatever bizarre things they're putting inside of Jägermeister nowadays. What did you eat with Zachary and Evan? Zachary and Evan, we went to Grand Central Market and we tried out, they have like the sticky rice Thai place, which is a, usually a popular spot. And they just opened up a noodle spot next door around the corner to it. So we got a few of those things and like the, the head owner guy there like recognized them and was freaking out. It was, it was, it was, it was interesting because I go, I've been to the Grand Central Market a bunch of times and I just walk around like a dum dum. And when I was walking around with them, it was like being with a celebrity because everybody who has a, a stall there, you know, for the most part, unless you're selling, you know, you're like a young, burgeoning food enthusiast and restaurateur. So these people are, this is like a woman that could, you know, it's like walking around with David Letterman and you're a, a stand-up. Like everybody wants to be on the show. And then we went to uh, Wexler's Deli, which is like the super new, talked-about Jewish deli stall that has the rivaling Langer's pastrami sandwich, and they do like... How was it? It was very good. I had I didn't get this pastrami sandwich because why would you not, why would you say all that and end with which I didn't get that <laughs> because we we were we were going to the Thai noodle place as the main thing. So what did you get? And then the Wexlers was just like a little side thing. We just I just got a an everything bagel with the schmear and some smoked house smoked sturgeon. You could have had like half a pastrami sandwich for the same amount of stomach room they don't do half orders you could have taken half for later i wanted just a little you know i just had like a third of a bagel with some with some house house sturgeon and it was very very enjoyable it was it was awesome and done really well and everybody there was really nice it was great best bagel in la um i mean it's not really that hard to have the best bagel in la right i think brooklyn bagel is pretty hard to beat here i would say brooklyn bagel is my favorite the the bagel was very good, but it was more so uh Brooklyn bagel will make a better overall bagel, but this place you know, when you go to a bagel place it's kinda of like bagel, toast, schmear, here you go kind of thing. And Get out of here. And this place was very much like bagel cut perfectly, toasted perfectly, schmear of cream cheese was put on with love and care. The sturgeon was placed on it perfectly with the right amount, and then there's like some little capers and red onions. Exactly, but it was it was put on with with love, which was uh, which you don't get from a lot of bagel joints, you know. All right. Which was great, and I think I would I would like to support support them. And what are your thoughts on like all of this, like sort of you know Wexler's being sort of a prime example of this, like new school kids getting into food. You know, using, you know, all organic ingredients or whatever, but like sticking to older recipes 
rivaling like you know like a Wexler's or Schlinger's here. What, what's your take on that? Do you think they're doing it better? Like not necessarily Wexler's versus Langer's, mm-hmm. but do you think these new school spots are doing like a key lime pie and better than you know old Witta Hamilton who's been making pies forever wherever she works? Um, I think I think I think there are definitely people out there who are realizing the the honor that you have to uphold because people are so opinionated and specific about those kinds of Jewish deli spots. Or things like that of, of like kind of places that have been around for hundreds of years and haven't changed at all. So there's a <laughs> there's a, there's a way. I, I feel like it has to be carried on in a contemporary version somehow, or else it's just going to eventually die. Because Wood Hamilton's like eighty something and has bad knees. <laughs> I mean, the, the the person themselves. I don't know if she's a real person. Will die. I mean, like obviously, whoever started. I don't know how long like Cantor's or Langer's has been around for, but you know, at least fifty years. So whoever started it, you know, probably is not running the show anymore, and they've passed the torch on, and they keep it up. But like eventually, they're gonna get. You know, the human population will outgrow that special kind of thing, and you're going to have to evolve a little bit while still keeping up with those original little little perks. Like like Baz Bagel in New York does a very good version of it. It's like a contemporary Jewish deli bagel spot, and they keep all the same vibe and the same atmosphere, but it's everything is just kind of elevated a little bit it's still same feel but it's a contemporary version and somebody like an older person like a Katz's Deli or a Langer's or a Cantor's would be into it as opposed to like um, New Kid on the Noah, Noah's Bagels or something where you walk sure. and be like eh, this place is stupid do you think in 50 years we'll lose sort of like they'll, they'll all be evolutions of these foods that we've you know thought of as traditional always like perfect example is at you know pot at the line hotel they do tteokbokki which is like korean like rice cake and like spicy sauce say that again called tteokbokki tteokbokki yes but and that's what it's a like rice cake and like the spicy like sauce okay those are like the rice cakes that look like kind They're of cylindrical. like cylindrical thick not, little yeah. thick noodles and um you know they do a version there which i think is great which is they like you know they crisp up like rice cakes before putting it in the sauce not unlike a fondant potato yeah very similar to that and you know mm-hmm. again with me I, I don't know how many episodes in we are now but i'm always talking about like browning meats and like <laughs> doing that and how a lot of asian cuisine just doesn't do that mm-hmm. which you know for its own reasons and i appreciate that but whatever but back to this it's like if to me at least that's a superior version because i get a crisp now in addition to the flavor and the inside texture, which is you know what I've always grown up with. Yeah, the the in inside. Fifty years is everyone going to be doing that, and is is the old version just lost? And do we care? Mm, I, I I don't think the old version will be lost completely, but it will become a it'll become a relic because I mean like when like the hamburger for instance when that first came out. It was probably made very differently than how it's made today. Like it was probably, you know, a lot of them were steamed originally. Right. And now the thought of steaming a hamburger is kind of everything that you were trying to avoid when you're making a hamburger by today's standards. They're saying you want to sear something to the point where it doesn't steam and turn gray because it's not going to be as good arguably and i'm sure the same thing will happen and like people will still want there'll be like one or two places that do an un an unbrowned rice cake noodle and a few people will like it and then like guy fieri the robot of guy fieri will go there and be like can't believe you guys are still making what's it called can't believe you guys are making dokpoki the old-fashioned way, the way our grandparents did it back in 2014. You guys want some Red Bull? <laughs> you guys aren't even brazing it in Red Bull. Well, I ask that also with the notion, like, for me, like, 
I love a good hamburger. Mm. If you've seen me in person, <laughs> it's not hard to tell that I love a good hamburger. Mm-hmm. But I also... But who doesn't love a good hamburger? I also, you know, love... The flavor of a McDon- like a Big Mac is very unique to the Big Mac. Absolutely. And it's not like an either-or situation, like no sandwich comes together like a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. But on a day-to-day basis, I'm not eating a Big Mac. If I have a choice, I'm getting, like, you know, a nicer hamburger... Mm-hmm. That is like you know, good quality beef or whatever. But it is a specific comforting yeah, taste. Yeah, like they're v- like it's, it's familiar. It's tied to nostalgia, and it's it's a completely different sandwich. If if you do a fancy version of a Big Mac with like you know the spread and the like shredded iceberg and three pieces of bread for no reason, like <laughs> it's just not going to be the same. Like Jason and I once. We both love the Del Taco Chicken Soft Taco, mm-hmm. and we tried to make a fancy version of it, and we put all this work into it. And, and we're money. Like, and, yeah, and, and Jason's money. <laughs> <laughs> and we ate it, and we're like, this is good, but I would much rather just... It wasn't nearly as good. No. Yeah. yeah, for listeners who don't know what that is, Del Taco is a regional... Southern California, sorry. Southern California, don't don't apologize. Um, fast food restaurant, kind of like a Taco Bell, but but how dare you utter those in the same sentence? It's very similar to Taco Bell. Oh, shame it's a, on you! It's an Americanized uh, fast food Mexican restaurant, and they have a bunch of things on the menu. A lot of them are stupid and lame, but they're like daily driver. Their original is a chicken, chicken soft taco, softy. which is a Small flour tortilla, some grilled chicken. Huh. Air quotes. <laughs> some some quote unquote boiled chicken. <laughs> it's it's a uh, cooked chicken. Okay, that's fair. Uh, shredded iceberg lettuce, shredded cheddar cheese from a bag. Yeah, like a cl- like it's like really clumpy. And cheese. the cheddar cheese is like that really cheap cheddar cheese that like school lunches were like. Nah, we're good. It just, you can have it, Del Taco. It's, it's shredded very thinly, and it it's more plastic than cheese. And when it when you open up your tortilla, it's just one little clump of cheddar. And then you can kind of either leave it as your little cheddar bomb that you get to enjoy, or you can pull it apart and open. No, you and can distribute leave it, it because who does that, Jason? You psycho. I, I've opened up the taco, declumpified the cheddar, and spread it out evenly. And then also sauce. And then a kind of mysterious white sauce that we broke down. And it's like, it's such a simple thing, but it's so good altogether. And it's 89 cents now, which is ridiculous. It's 89 cents. It used to be like 39, 49 cents when we were I know. The, the more that we're talking about, the more I might have to get yeah, one after it's this. It's going to be a dollar at the end of this podcast. But we, <laughs> but we, we went, we got some free range. Mary's or, air chilled organic Air chilled organic thigh. We marinated it in like organic lime juice and all these spices and and sea salt and fresh cracked pepper and all this stuff and grilled it on a cast iron made our own masa viking range we handmade the tortillas and made those we made our special sauce out of whatever it was it was like man fresh and creme fresh and mayonnaise and some spices and lime juice and all that stuff and then red it was, leaf lettuce. It was like shredded organic red leaf lettuce. It was shaved, aged cheddar, and it looked cool and it tasted all right. But it was yeah, it was bullshit. it was a three out of ten compared to the ten out of ten. Twelve out of ten that a del taco chicken yeah. softy is. Some things are just not meant to be elevated, you know. Jason is eating a lollipop for listeners at home. Would you like to tell the listeners where this lollipop comes from? Um, from Mexico somewhere. <laughs> I got it from my friend Molly. It was shaped like a drumstick, and the texture on it is like chicken skin. It's all bumpy, and it tastes like uh, it's chili tamarindo. Yeah, it's actually pretty amazing. No, it's really delicious. I love it. In this package were also like beer mug lollipops, which tasted like the best artificial mango I've ever had mm. and whole like rotisserie chickens like pollo a la brasa oh. yeah this has like a very nice subtle chili lime vibe yeah. going I wasn't a big fan of like the Lucas paste growing up or the powder because it just tasted like chemicals to me but as yeah, I've gotten weird. older I'm into like a sweet candy dipped into like 
a marginal amount of the powder. Okay. Usually it's like coated. It's like a like a rub. It's kicked. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a como se dice dry rub. Yeah. Dry rub. Speaking of mangoes and some mango smoothies, we were talking earlier about Asahi bowls. Smoothie with yumblies on top. Uh, which you dubbed a smoothie with yumblies on top. For those who don't know, Asahi bowls are Asahi. Asahi, which is some type of it's Brazilian for acai. It's a Brazilian super fruit. What Jason? If <laughs> he was Brazilian. No. I don't know what it do you know what an acai fruit looks like? I feel like it looks like a berry, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's kind of like a maybe some not like a goji berry meets a plum or something like that. Goji bears. Goji bears. But it's People grind it up into this mush that looks like just uh, it looks blueberry. Like a blueberry smoothie from Jamba Juice. Yeah, it looks like blueberries in a blender is what it looks like. It's just like this frozen berry paste, and then you make a bowl out of it and you cover it with yumblies, say you, which is just granola or seeds. It's just a bowl or... with with a blueberry smoothie poured into it, and then they'll slice bananas on top and arrange them in a in a perfect. Little semicircle, and then they put some granola, yumblies, some various yumblies, maybe some shaved coconut, maybe uh, a little yogurt, shaved coconut, maybe a uh, honey drizzle, and then people just eat it, and it really is just like eating a smoothie with yeah. a spoon. You kind of like feel like a dumbbell. Time, get a smoothie and get to work. Yeah, all that stuff that you're eating on top of the the smoothie can just be put in a blender, and then you just slurp it up through a straw. Yeah. Get to work, America. But yeah. who? But the only people who eat Asahi bowls are like surfers and hippies, or like yoga moms, or yoga moms. People, all these, all there's something in common with all these attractive white people. That's what they attractive are. white people who don't really have any place to be necessarily. Yes, but like, they have gobs of money. Mm-hmm. Well, not the surfers, maybe, but I mean, if you're eating Asahi bowls, it's a very Larchmont food to me. It's a very beachy food, I would say. Okay. And I, I also like to reach for it if I'm hungover. Mm-hmm. Because it gives. Because whenever I'm hungover, I love a smoothie. Because it, I feel like it's giving me nutrients and fruits and vegetables and vitamins and all that stuff. But then I don't get the satisfaction of eating food, which I love to do when I'm hungover. So if I'm eating my smoothie in the form of an asahi bowl, I kind of cover all of that. Because when I'm hungover, I want to eat so much, even more so than when I'm drunk. I just want soup when I'm hungover. But I feel like that could be an Asian thing. Like it's a definitely an soup. Asian thing. But I feel like it's, it works because you're rehydrating your body. Well, th- th- that's actually good because when you're, when you're hungover, you're dehydrated. And wanting to eat soup is like you actually doing something productive for your body. Whereas when I'm hungover, I want to eat like a sandwich and chips or something like that. Like I would just want to eat trashy food and take a nap. Like Emilio Estevez's lunch in the Breakfast Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I just want, I want to go to an Italian deli, get like a big sandwich, like a muffaletta. Nah, like a like a like a hoagie, like a sub sub sandwich, maybe a muffaletta, <laughs> and then some like I just like saying muffaletta. Mofaleta, and then some Cheetos, and then just eat it all and have a wash it down with a Pellegrino, take a nap, and then I wake up feeling like shit <laughs> again. But if I had a bowl of pho and an emergency, I'd probably be on track. But it's like a, I don't know, it's like a weird mental thing. So one time, uh, <laughs> I, I was with this Japanese guy at one of my old jobs. And he was from Japan. Mm-hmm. And he picked up a packet of emergency, and he looked at it, and then he looked at me. He shrugged his shoulders. He tore it open, and then he tried to just drink the powder, and then he coughed because, yeah, duh. And just all this emergency went everywhere, oh, and we laughed at him. Japanese and then we told guy. him, you have to pour that in water. You're supposed to mix it. And then it. he apologized to us because he's Japanese. Again, classic Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that funny, but it was funny if you were there. It was all right. Thank you. I, I, I drink an emergency every morning. Do you? Because I feel like it 
keeps me from getting sick. I drink like a lot of water every day. I drink a lot of water every coffee. day too. I know, but no. So- but how how are you with your soda intake? Uh, I rarely drink soda. If I drink soda, it's really like you know on a Friday every now and then I'll treat myself to a full fat red can Coke. <laughs> Um, but at least you're doing a full fat Coke. Yeah, like, you know, throughout the week, though, like, every now and then I'll have, like, we have the small cans of soda at work, like the eight ounces. That's when you know you've made it, when <laughs> you it? have the eight ounce cans of Coke. Like, for some... sometimes I'll do, like, a, a Coke Zero or a Diet Coke, but yeah. that's very rare. Like, I don't really, I'll drink water sometimes with my meals, but for the most part, I don't really drink liquids with my meals. I think it's awesome that we're coming around to a place where we're realizing that Diet Coke is worse for you than regular Coke. Well, for me, it's not even the saving the calories thing. It's like I like the flavor of Diet Coke. I know. Me too. Which is like a weird programmed thing because for the last 20 years, we've learned that Diet Coke is better for you than regular Coke. And you just like like the Big Mac or the chicken soft taco. You're used to that specific flavor and it's very comforting to you. Well, for me also, like the moment that... I spilled Diet Coke everywhere in my car, and then I realized like, it wasn't sticky the next morning. Like, I was like, where is this going? Like, I was like, this can't be good for me. <laughs> and that's Your car I, has absorbed it completely? Yes. So that's sort of when I was like, ah. Although, although I, I, I usually just drink water with my meals as well, but if I am either, if I am hungover again, like all, where all my inhibitions are out the door. Where For listeners at home, Jason needs to get a grip on his life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just speaking about this because I'm sure there are people listening at home who are really into eating food and are also trying to curb their soda intake and are probably doing a very good job at it. But then, if I'm eating pizza and I'm hungover, nothing goes better with that. Than a Coca-Cola. Actually, yeah, that's like a McDonald's French fries with ketchup and a Coca-Cola. Mm, mm-hmm. There's nothing better than that. For some reason, it all balances each other out so perfectly. Well, I think it's because they're so, like, you know, just so you don't get, like, acid reflux or anything, you want the carbonation. Okay, okay. And oddly enough, there's probably so much acid in Coke. Yeah, totally. Once when I was a kid, I was, like, I was in third grade, and I totally, for well, you know, Forgot, but put off writing like a paper that was due that was like worth the entire grade of that class. And I just stayed up all night drinking soda because <laughs> I it was like, I don't want to drink coffee because it'll stunt my growth. I'd heard that. Sure. So I stayed up all night drinking like just cans of Coca Cola. And then in the morning when I woke up in the bed, there was just like vom. <laughs> because just my body was like, what are you doing to yourself? Damn. That was a simpler time. Yeah. And that was back in the day when you could just, when it wasn't that big of a deal. Do party to party Coca-Cola and vomit in your bed. <laughs> I've never vomited in my bed, thank the, thank the Lord. Uh, when's the last time you peed in your bed? Mm, probably like New Year's Day, like five, six years ago. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once when I was a kid, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of kid stories. No, it wasn't the bed. It wasn't the bed. It was... um, Your pants. (laughs) No, it was my dirty clothes basket. Oh, like you drunkenly thought it was a toilet. Like I drunkenly sleepwalked, thought I was in the bathroom, peed in the dirty clothes basket. (laughs) And I have done that before (laughs) horribly. I was... This is a quick side tangent. I was at my friend's house when I was a teenager spent got drunk partied spent the night at my friend's parents house woke up the next morning and you had peed in his mom's mouth <laughs> i i peed in the washing machine yes which had my friend's brand new like pea coat jacket in it or it was like a it wasn't a peacoat, but it was like this really nice like parka that he had just got. We were going through like a mod quadrophenia phase, uh-huh. and he had his parka in more there. Orange County. <laughs> we uh, we parked our Vespas, turned them off, <laughs> hosed them down, and then uh, adjusted our fringe. 
But he, I, I woke up to my friend like yelling at me like, why the fuck did you pee on my parka inside the washing machine? Sick. And, I'm, uh, and I don't have a memory of any of it. Are you still friends it. with him? No. <laughs> but not, no, I'm, we're still cool. Oh, it's not because you peed on his J. Crew parka. <laughs> I don't know. You were a teenager. J. Crew was nice back then. This was this was pre J. Crew. No, okay. it wasn't pre J. Crew. This was uh, we we probably brought it bought it on Melrose, like from a mm. from like a mod skinhead place. Uh, so once when I was a kid, it was in the summer, and my mom had freshly cut up a watermelon. And okay. Delectable. And it was you know like when you're a kid. I don't know if you have siblings for listeners at home. But if you have a sibling and you have first shot at, like, watermelon, you get all the darker bits because they're sweeter. And you leave them with the crummy, like, sort of, you know, white, like, like, like mealy bits. Mm-hmm. But this watermelon was just solid from start to finish. And my mom had cut it up. And she was perfect like, medium ram. Yeah, I was going to go take your sister to her piano lesson. There's watermelon in the fridge. And I said, okay. I started eating it. And I was like, dude, this is so good. Um, I don't know why I was a kid. I hate my sister, whatever. She's playing Chopin or whatever she's doing right now. I'm going to eat this entire watermelon. So I ate the whole watermelon. And I was, my plan was by the time my sister and my mother get home from the piano lesson, I'm going to be in bed. So I can't get in trouble for not leaving any watermelon for the rest of my family. That's interesting logic. (laughs) When you're asleep, they can't hurt you. And I fell asleep. And I just wet the bed so hard because all that watermelon. Really? Yeah. Did it come out pink? No. That would be cause for concern. And, did, and you had no problem eating an entire watermelon. <laughs> no. I've I've heard this this thing this theory about watermelon juice. Okay. Where like you can eat watermelon all day, but drinking a full glass like a full like if you go to the supermarket and get like a it's like a little odwalla size juice or like a naked juice like 12 or 16 ounces of watermelon juice it's very very hard to finish a whole whole one of those i've totally done it before it's all sugar i i had like a whole foods one recently it was like yeah 12 dollars or something <laughs> i didn't pay for it no, no no it was a gift sure sure but it was all sugar and i drink it easily really yeah but I've, I've i didn't heard that, feel great after because it was all sugar i've heard that some people have a hard time drinking it because the concentrated watermelon juice something about the flavor and the consistency and the the viscosity of it makes it so that the first sip is like so good it's so refreshing and amazing and then by the time you get to the bottom of it, you're just completely over it and turned off by it because it's like such milk, like a like a like a hard drug or something. Do you have a good milk story? Or maybe like milk. <laughs> Remember the dairy challenge? Do you, do you have a good milk story? <laughs> I tried the dairy challenge when I was in like junior high, mm-hmm. and I bet my friends like you know we all had a pool like everyone put in twenty dollars and whoever got the closest. We the dairy challenge is like to chug a whole gallon of milk, or is it two gallons? Like the whatever the the yeah, that one. might be two. Uh. It's two gallons, I okay. think. So whoever can drink the two gallons of milk. So we all put twenty dollars in, and it's a lot for junior high. Yeah, I know, but it was you know the challenge. Yeah, yeah. and I, I high, high stakes, high reward. I drank the whole thing and then immediately just you know started <laughs> barfing, mm-hmm. and I got the chills and then I got sick. <laughs> Like I legitimately caught a cold. <laughs> like you, like you caught a cold. Caught ten a minutes cold. later, yeah. Like after I barfed and I started shivering, I, I, like I caught a cold, and then I was like, "Oh, this will pass." In the next three days, I was like legitimately sick. Wow. Yeah. You're, it just shut your body down. <laughs> yeah. You destroyed your immune 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 system immune with milk. System. <laughs> immune system with milk. I mean, I've o- I've always thought after when I was younger, I was vegetarian and vegan, and I read a lot of literature about how dairy and animal products are not good for you. And some of it I agree with, some of it I might not. The jury's still out, whatever. We might not know. But I've always thought that it is strange, like the the body is not meant to process dairy. Another creature's utter drippings, yeah. But some animals are fine with it. 
we're fine with it. And so, like, you know, cats can drink any kind of milk and it's okay. So do you have a good cat milk story? <laughs> no. But I, I have I been reading that camel milk is making a huge, uh, huge uprising because the human body digests it much better than cow's milk. And it also has a bunch of more enzymes and nutrients and healthy probiotic blah, blah, blahs in it. And it's very expensive because of that. And it's very rare and hard to find. And then like some Serbian basketball player, they sure. make, um, they make milk out of cam- Serbian basketball players. They, now? Make, they make cheese out of camel milk in this remote Serbian village. And this guy, I don't remember. I think he's a basketball player. Bought up like all of it, and just has it because he wants it or whatever. And it's supposed to be, and it's super expensive. It's like the most expensive cheese you can buy. I don't know how it tastes, but I would like to try it, and I want to see how my body processes it mm-hmm. because I love eating cheese like everybody else in this world. <laughs> but cheese fucks your body up, man. Yeah, it's so it's worth it though. If it wasn't worth it, we'd all like. Have stopped eating cheese a long time. It's ago. worth it, and but but also like ice cream fucks my body up big time. Same here, but you know like. But I that's why I only for the most part have non dairy ice cream. What's your favorite ice cream? My favorite non dairy ice cream is oh. I'll I'll list all of them. Okay, be more annoying. Go. <laughs> my favorite non hey it's a long form podcast. We got nothing but time. Ugh. My favorite well I'll do three. My favorite non-dairy ice cream is from Scoops, which is a very cool ice cream shop here in L.A. They have a vegan Oreo flavor that is every bit as satisfying as a regular. Every bit as annoying as it sounds. <laughs> I love Scoops. I'm not hating on Scoops. Scoops? Hey, that's why I have you on this podcast. So when I talk like an idiot, you will call me out, and then the listener at home is satisfied. How much time you got? <laughs> My favorite... Uh, regular all-time uh, specific ice cream is mint chip. And then my favorite ice cream in general anywhere is just straight up vanilla. Vanilla bean. Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you nail the perfect vanilla bean ice cream, there's no better ice cream flavor. Nailed. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, not American nailed. ice cream starring Jason Biggs. <laughs> Jason Biggs, yeah, wow. A tub of dryers and uh high school sex drive, Jason Shane. Oh, not funny. That's might get cut out. Oh come on, stop smiling if it's not funny. Drink your smart water. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was in New York last week and I met up with our good friend Simon White, who is a white man named Simon White. <laughs> we Simon went- White is a manager of the band Phoenix. Yes. So our listeners can have some reference point. Reference. Um, and we went to dinner and then we went to this ice cream shop called Mikey Likes It. And they have seasonal flavors. And I had a Halloween flavor, which was pumpkin ice cream with marshmallows, which Jason's going ew probably. And Oreos, and it was so good. Mm. But I also don't really eat ice cream anymore. Yeah, I rarely eat ice cream unless it's it just, you super know, hot out. Dairy expands your like. I don't consume that much dairy outside of like cheese in a meal. Yeah, because it expands your stomach and it makes you feel like garbage after. It really wrecks me. Like after I eat ice cream, whenever I eat ice cream or frozen yogurt or any of those pink berry whatevers, I have to get the smallest portion possible because. After one scoop, my I just can't handle it anymore. And I can eat a full pizza. I can eat a whole chicken. I could eat a three-pound burrito. I could eat a lot, but like for ice cream, one scoop, and I'm I'm fully fully done. Okay, so enough about Jason. Um, my favorite ice cream flavor <laughs> overall is. Oh, I'm sorry, you need your ice cream turn. Pistachio. Pistachio. Which I yeah. I uh, are you friend, my aunt? No, my friend and I had this conversation in New York. Um, apparently, it's kind of a, an uppity answer, but I feel like it's not a weird. Like it was always available when I was a child. It was always available, yeah. but it was never like nobody ever reached for it. But it is kind of it's a, very good. It's like not too sweet. It the is a little bit of a high is, f- like 
very like creamy and buttery like and i think it's a popular gelato flavor as well okay and it has that very kind of pastel green color that oh, is appetizing it's perfect mm-hmm. love pistachio ice cream hmm i think it's a refined selection and it says a lot about you oh mm-hmm. okay that's your that's your all-time fave i think so yeah do you go sugar cone or regular cone uh, sugar cone because I like the shape better. I like the flavor of sugar sugar cone better and texture, but I go cup with a cone on top, so you get best of both worlds. Mm, make up your mind. Um, because I'm a slow eater, right? And it all melts. And it'll all just melt down. Yeah. Are you a slow eater? No. <laughs> Ice cream is a race. Ice cream really is a race, and maybe that's not why I fuck with it so much. Cheese, it ain't going nowhere. Cheese is not going anywhere. I remember in French class in, did I take French in, I think college, I don't remember anymore. Oh, no, it's college, because I took German in high school. Um, in French class, we were you know, on the chapter where we were learning about like all the names of foods. The cheddar chapter. And um, there was a video where a French guy was like, so angry that Americans put cheese in the fridge. And he was like, oh. it is alive. Every time you eat a piece of cheese, it is different. Uh, uh, mm. my, cat, my cat is alive. Would I put my cat in the refrigerator? <laughs> no. So why do you put cheese in this refrigerator? He was very mad about Interesting. it. Interesting. But uh, I don't know. I feel like because the cheeses that we are given here are like pasteurized or whatever, I feel like if you leave them out, they would rot straight up. Um, I think... What it is is the um, the how fast French people go through cheese. <laughs> like so many things, eggs, cheese, ladies, butter, all those things. Like it's an everyday staple. It's kind of like an avocado or something like that. Where if you I never got avocados in the fridge, I've seen people do it, and I don't get it. It should never be done. Yeah. Um, but like they're, they're eating cheese so much and you're, they're not going to Costco and buying, you know, they're not, they're not buying a a five pound brick of it. They're, you know, they go to the market, they buy enough cheese for the, you know, three or four days and they eat it with every meal and it's part of their life and they go and, and buy some new stuff. And I feel like, you know, in an ideal world, that's how it should all be. But, you know, not everybody can do that. I try to do that, but you know, what are you going to do? But I try to keep, obviously, um, never put tomatoes in the fridge. Never. Never put avocados in the fridge. Never. Unless you've cut into it. Yes. Which is kind of a weird thing, but I guess it's what it, it is what it is. Um, bananas are a no-no. I've never, seen British people put bananas in fridges. Never put bananas in a fridge. I like my bananas super ripe, so I put them in a paper bag and let them chill. Mm, they release like a like a gas or something. Yeah, they do. Like one bad apple ruins the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, and never put bananas in the freezer with the skin on. Right. You peel before and you freeze. Peel before and freeze. For you smoothie hounds at home. <laughs> I'm a big smoothie hound, but I never freeze my bananas. I leave them fresh. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, Let's talk more about you eating penis-shaped foods, Jason. <laughs> there's a smoothie science, and I'm trying to perfect the smoothie science. It's like what's, an acai bowl in a glass. What's your uh, smoothie on the da- daily? My daily smoothie is... I've talked about it. Uh, there's going to be a video up for it on uh, on Nest Eats this week. Plug. Next week. A little plug. Nest week. Uh, there's going to be a video up tomorrow, or aka today, if you're listening to this the day this comes out, where uh, I visit the free range food uh, fried chicken sandwich truck here in LA, delicious. which is very delicious. Um, but in a, there's also another video of me showing exactly how I make my daily driver smoothie. But it's uh, I, I'll, I'll give you the rundown right now. One. One banana, extra ripe, not frozen. Uh, <laughs> frozen blueberries. Frozen. A spoonful of non-fat Greek yogurt. Greek. Unsweetened almond milk. Milk. 
a dark leafy green of some kind. Kale. <laughs> Kale. Uh, right. Lately, I've been using the Trader Joe's cruciferous mix. Yes, that's the one. Which is shredded kale, shredded cabbage. Brussels sprouts, Brussels. Uh, red cabbage, and broccoli, which is a great... Um, I've been trying to eat a lot of broccoli lately, and the st- I've been buying whole broccoli heads. Is not for your virility? That's <laughs> for my virility. But a lot of people will buy broccoli in the florette, just a bag of florets, and I've been buying them with the whole, with the stock on it. And the stock, I feel like, is an unexplored area, and it's it's like a cylindrical green <laughs> uh, veg- vegetable dong that's ready to do things with. And I'm trying to figure it out. Maybe we can do a fondant broccoli stem. Well, I feel like in terms of flavor, it's it's just a milder version of the florette part. It is. Yeah, and I've been like experimenting with it. Like, People donate like cilantro stalks or like parsley stalks. It's like tastes the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Come on, dog. Don't waste. I've been I've been messing with the broccoli stalk where I'll take the stalk and slice it lengthwise so you have two halves that have one round end, one half circle, and then the other end is flat. And then I will put those. Uh, I will sear the flat end. <laughs> For like five minutes, very similar to the fondant, the fondant preparation, and then put them in the oven to roast, Ooh. and they come out pretty interesting. Let's try it. And I feel like at that point, you can uh, you can slice them thin, maybe on a on a meat slicer or a, a mandolin, and put them on a sandwich, whatever it might be, to get. I mean broccoli. Is super good for you. It's you know arguably the best vegetable for you. So eat as much of it as you can. Eat broccoli. Eat broccoli, motherfucker. Mm. Keep it clean, Jason. Come on. <laughs> this is a food podcast. It has. It is a food cod. Pod, it's a <laughs> take two. It's a food cod. It's a codfish. It's a cood pod podcast. Um. We have reached the end of our podcast. Oh, yeah. What didn't we talk about? It's been a clean, clean hour. We didn't talk about a lot of things. We talked about a lot of stuff. I feel like I just talked about my childhood and then ice cream. (laughs) No, we talked about those things and like 15 other things. Trust me. Best restaurant in New York City is Okonomi. Go there. Best restaurant in New York City is Okonomi oh, in, Brooklyn. in the Williamsburg neighborhood of Brooklyn, and I haven't been there, but I have heard very good things. Japanese breakfast. I also had meat hook sandwich mm. on accident. It just said sandwiches outside. <laughs> and you also spent your life at Five Leaves in Brooklyn looking at waitresses. Waitress. One waitress. One waitress. Go to Five Leaves in Brooklyn. Do you know what her name is? No. <laughs> okay, so if you live in Brooklyn, New York... Go to Okonomi. No, no, go to Five Leaves <laughs> and try to find the waitress that you think Chris Chang has the crush on. That everyone in the world has a crush on. Mm, yeah, know. I'm the only one who likes leggy brunettes. <laughs> yeah, that's just me. Well, there's a lot of leggy brunettes in New York. That work at Five Leaves. There's one. Who knows? I feel like New York... Every waitress there is a is a uh, Wilhelmina model who's a leggy brunette. <laughs> that's why that's why you probably want to move to New York. Am I right? No. Okay. Good. Yes. He's for our <laughs> listeners at home. He said no. Well, he nodded his head. Yes. Chris Chang, it's been another great episode of the Stew. Thank you. Uh, like I was saying before, we Chris and I are we just appeared on some food videos that we shot last night. Those should be out in a week or two. You can go to the YouTube channel of Nest HQ Official, I believe it is, um, and you can find the Nest Eats playlist. All of our food videos are on there. You can see me cooking stuff up, visiting restaurants, chatting with people. I go to Taroni. I meet with the Free Range LA truck. I show you how to make a golf cart battery into a sex toy. <laughs> I show you how to make masubis, I show you how to make chicken rice, and we 
just recorded a Halloween episode last night where we make some spooky where we make treats. a spooky uh, pumpkin carbonara and and a, and a roasted orangey orange carrot hummus. Um, so check those out. If you can follow me on Twitter at them jeans, you can follow Chris Chang on Twitter at Mitt Romney official. <laughs> <laughs> Neg Nance, N E G N A N C E. Neg Nance is him. And if you like this show, we are still a brand new food podcast, so we need all the help we can get. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a good rating and review. If you don't like the bad language, I apologize. I kept it pretty wholeheartedly. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So if this is the kind of podcast you think a friend would like, please tell a friend. Tell a lover, tell a family member. Tell Darth Vader. Tell Darth Vader, tell Rene Redzepi. <laughs> <laughs> For listeners at home, that's a regional LA restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> that's the proprietor of Noma. <laughs> and Zach Efron, my best friend, just, oh, you just replaced me. Just went just had dinner with the Redzepi tonight in somewhere in Europe. In Copenhagen? I thought they were Open moving to uh, Tokyo. I don't, I, yeah, they're doing one in Tokyo, but, no, but I thought they were moving, like sprouting. Well, maybe. Up. I, well, I just saw on Zach's Instagram a picture of him and Renee Redzepi, like on Zach's Instagram. First and I'm like, is. son of a gun, Zach probably doesn't even know who Renee Redzepi is, and I would, I would do some bad things to eat a noma. Let's get into that. What would Let's you get do? Into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's your absolute? Would you hurt a small child to eat there for free? <laughs> Like not kill, but like. What kind of hurt? Like like the, hospital. There's like a pit of scorpions. No. And Renee's like, just give him a little nudge. <laughs> I just like to get a fresh uh, wood sorrel to <laughs> to coax the scorpion pit, and then and if that you way just the scorpion meat is a little sweeter. And these are just some very special. Um, these are just sea slugs that I found near my village. For those of you who don't know who Rene Redzepi is, check him out. He's the kind of guy that would, like, let's say he wanted to cook up, like, some scorpions for dinner. He would, would know how to do it. He would straight up be like, he'd have a lineup of children, and he'd be <laughs> like, no, this one will not do. Oh, this one will do. And he would choose, like, a very specific, like, I don't know, Tunisian child from this village. <laughs> Because it would make the scorpions taste a certain way. <laughs> and then he would only choose, you know, eight of the pit of like 8,000 scorpions. And he would cook those up for you and you'd be like, oh, I guess I like scorpions. If now. I hear that same Red Zeppi description one more time, I'm going to pull my hair out, man. I swear <laughs> to God. All right. Thank you for listening, guys. Bye.